MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. Today there is a newly unsealed court filing showing a potential pay-for-play bribery pardon scheme between unknown parties in the White House. Bill Barr says there's no evidence of voter fraud that would overturn the election, and he's appointed Durham as a special counsel to continue investigating 2016 after Biden takes office. Scott Atlas resigns as the Trump coronavirus village idiot. A member of Trump's elite strike force, Joe DeGeneva, calls for the execution of Chris Krebs. The Trump campaign grift rolls on, and the Justice Department asks for the immediate dismissal of the Flynn case. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. How's it going? Hey, G, I don't even know if we should talk. We, I feel like we should just give them what they want right now. <laughs> I know. This story so, is so delicious. So, okay. So I had a whole show scripted out. It was beautiful. And I know I've joked about this with, like, Maddo, how, like, so sh- she must be scrambling right now to rewrite her show. I am now running around like that. You know, the 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 cat at the computer <laughs> banging away? Yeah. Yeah, that's us right now because we have just been handed, um, like I get handed papers. <laughs> um, we've just been handed, uh, Pacer on my computer has handed me an unsealed filing in a court case. And I'm we are right now, Dana, hand to God, winging this because this is unscripted, unfettered, delicious, pardony bribery shit that's happening right now. Uh, and... So let me go over to my handy dandy computer screen over here and tell you what's going on. Um, This is so unbelievable. The Justice Department is investigating a potential crime related to funneling money to the White House or a related political committee in exchange for a presidential pardon. This is according to court records just unsealed a moment ago by the D.C. District Court Chief Judge Beryl Howell. We we know Beryl Howell. We love Beryl Howell. We've been talking about Beryl Howell for a while. Uh, incredible District Court Judge. So basically what's happened here is that there was a partial unsealing order um, that was being considered because uh, the government wanted to unseal um, the, these documents, and the the defendants said, no, please don't. Uh, there are people who are named in this document that haven't been charged with a crime yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they came to an agreement. I guess what Judge Beryl Howe has ordered is, we'll redact the names, but we're unsealing this shit. Yeah. So she unsealed it. Her order here is the redacted version of this order, removing personally identifying information um, along with the redacted memorandum opinion attached to this order is a redacted version of the 2020 memorandum opinion to be unsealed and posted on the court's website and is further ordered that the government shall file by November 30th, 2021. Or within uh, 30 days, I think that's supposed to be 2020, but because that would seem weird to give them a year. Yeah, or within 30 days. Either 30 days or a year. Whatever one you want, just go ahead and take it. (laughs) Or within 30 days of when any public disclosure obviates the need for further sealing. Maybe it is 2021. Uh, A status report advising the court whether the 2020 memorandum opinion may be further unsealed. Um, So I guess she's given it a year. That's what it sounds like. Now, this memo, <laughs> uh, it was filed in, in August, uh, and it says, pending before the court um, in the government's ex parte in-camera application seeking authorization to review certain attorney-client communications between and among blank, 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 and blank, and their agents based on a crime-fraud finding or alternatively, a finding that there was no attorney-client or other privileged relationship protecting communications involving blank. So uh, the crime fraud exception, Dana, it means that, you know, if, you, if you've got a, a, an attorney and their client talking about something, emailing about something, calling about something, texting, mm-hmm. and there's a crime that they're talking about or no they're longer covered. committing a crime, yeah. No longer is that covered by attorney-client privilege. 
That is the crime fraud exception. So what the judge is saying here is that <laughs> there, there's enough evidence of a crime here. And, and the crime is bribery, because what they're saying is that over 50 digital media devices, including iPhones, iPads, laptops, thumb drives, computer and external hard drives, totaling several terabytes of data, seized email communications have been identified indicating additional criminal activity. Wow. Mainly, one, a secret lobbying scheme in which blank and blank acted as lobbyists to senior White House officials without complying with the registration requirement of the Lobbying Disclosure Act to secure a pardon or reprieve of sentence for blank. And that little redaction looks about the length of Michael Flynn's name. But I'm just guessing. Oh, I, I would also think that maybe, I don't know, it could be Jane. Do you think it could be Jacob? That, that moron, Jacob Wall? Uh, no, I don't think so, because I think he's being charged in state court. Ah, okay. I'm learning so much right now. So all the listeners, we're all in the same boat right now. We're going to learn from AG. <laughs> and two, the crime here, a related bribery conspiracy in which blank would offer a substantial political contribution Ooh. in exchange for a presidential pardon or reprieve of sentence <laughs> for blank, the same person. And it, I, God, I swear to God, it looks like Flynn. It's a little too short to be Giuliani. Well, too short to be to Geneva, but it goes on further to say that this is a convicted defendant. Oh, so that's why I'm thinking Stone Flynn. I could totally see this being Roger Stone, but it may still that that line may be too long. But I could see this idiot doing that. Yeah, but it looks too long. It looks too short to be Manafort, or or uh, I, I'm, you know I, I can't think of all the convicted felons. Um, There's so many. There. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, using, and then there's a big, long, redacted couple of sentences using this redacted name as the intermediaries, plural, to deliver the proposed bribe. Bribery for pardon scheme. <sighs> the government now seeks a court order so that the investigative team may access these communications, confront blank, blank, and blank with the facts recited herein, and take any other investigative steps needed to complete its investigation. Who, buddy? And the rest of this looks like a barcode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it says, um, under consideration, uh, supplemental governing filing August 26th, and the government's supplemental, the government's motion is granted. So we see that the crime fraud exception applies here. So attorney-client privilege is not okay. So you mm -hmm. get all the, e the terabytes of emails and hard drives and thumb drives and iPhones and iPads notwithstanding any attorney-client relationship that blank may have had with either blank or blank. Any communication related to the alleged LDA or bribery for pardon scheme between schemes, plural, between or among those individuals in which communications blank was a participant or otherwise a recipient is not protected by attorney-client or any other privilege and is therefore reviewable by the government's investigative team. Then, then you're right. Background. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten pages of redactions of the background telling the story of what happened. Then there's the legal standard, uh, and it goes into all of that uh, stuff. You know, where basically the the court is saying, here's by what by which legal standards, rules, and regulations we can release this information to investigators. Each of the email communications submitted by the government in support of this instant motion was directed, copied, or forwarded to blank, who is not an attorney. That might be Giuliani. <laughs> I'm just kidding, because yeah. he doesn't technically have his license right now, but I'm sure it's not. Uh, the attorney-client privilege applies only when the participants uh, is an attorney or a member of the bar. Okay, he still is. And thus, none of blank's email communications with blank alone are privileged. Further, none of blank's emails communications which blank and blank participated in are protected by attorney-client privilege. Um, unless blank himself is an agent of blank, who is an attorney and was retained and paid by blank. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is the funnest ad, like, Mad Libs ever. Like, just pick a noun, pick someone in the administration, and put it in there. <laughs> You're probably going to be right. <laughs> Manafort? Is it Manafort? Is it Flynn? Is it... Is it Manafort? Uh, yeah. Um, so... This is just going through all the ways that attorney-client privilege doesn't apply. What I don't see is anything about executive privilege. 
meaning this might not be communications with the president. And it seems like if there were, the, they would say, oh, no, executive privilege. Of course, right. there would still be a crime fraud exception to that. So for the ongoing reasons, email communications between and among blank, blank, and blank, or any agents of these individuals that were sent, copied, or forwarded to blank in connection with the alleged bribery scheme, bribery for pardon scheme, described in the government's motion, are not covered by attorney-client privilege. Um, I've got a couple of people, insiders, looking to talk to some U.S. attorneys general to see if we can get any more information on this. but And we don't know if the, the bribe happened in August. We don't know any of that. We just know that this was uh, filed in August, and now it's being unsealed. It's been going on for a while. Um, now, this brings up the question. If this was Flynn, or if the pardon has been granted, or if it was Stone, or if it was Manafort, mm-hmm. um, Manafort hasn't had, gotten a pardon yet, um, then are those pardons corrupt yes if they (laughs) i was just saying yesterday this could be a bribery crime on behalf of the president the person issuing the pardon because they're accepting a thing of value in this case money now here's the funny part dana i talked to ellie honig earlier today we were just discussing pardons in general and he said look we don't know if if uh, judge sullivan in the flynn case is going to come out and he's probably just going to drop the case because of the pardon um, but he will review it and he will make a decision. And he could say in his decision, he could give this long decision about here's why this sucks and reveal all the crimes that Flynn committed. Um, but I have to grant because of the thing in the pardon. Uh, and then Ellie said it, it it's totally corrupt. It would be as if Ellie actually said this earlier today and you're going to hear it in the interview in a minute. He said to me, it would be as if somebody went into the White House and said, here's $50,000. Give me a pardon. Now we're looking at a document where that actually may have happened. Unbelievable. I mean, totally believable. This seems just like they're the the blind leading the blind over there. No offense to blind people. I actually think that you probably have way better hindsight than this entire administration. Oh, Oh, man. So there are other headlines today. Biden introduced his economic team of advisors today. (laughs) (laughs) There are other headlines. Um, I was going to go through all that. We might save that for tomorrow. It's a very, it was very good to watch that. It was very comforting. Uh, Bill Barr, who has been largely uh, missing in action over the last few weeks, um, was the lead story. You know, I'd been saying Trump might have been bothering him to pen an official Office of Legal Counsel memo to allow Trump to pardon himself. And my guess was Barr wasn't going to do that. But if right. that weren't enough to put the final 49 days of his job in danger, he probably just put that last nail in the coffin today. He told the Associated Press that there's not any fraud, no voting fraud. Which I found interesting. I mean, he's doing his job, but he doesn't have his pardon yet. You know <laughs> Donald's going to be pissed as hell. That's what I said. And then, boom, lo and behold, we learn Barr actually appointed Durham as a full special counsel, just like Robert right. Mueller was. To investigate the investigation, to the oranges, as we say, of the investigation. And and so now, and, and, and I talk a little bit about this with Ellie later, but this is clearly just a way, because normally what happens when new president comes in, he'll get rid of all the old attorneys general and appoint his own attorneys general, right? And right. that's normal. Um. And so we would assume that Durham would go bye-bye. Well, now he's, in a, he, now he's a special counsel, so he has the full authority of a U.S. attorney, and he can't really be fired without it looking like obstruction of justice, just like if Trump had fired Mueller. Oh, he's such a dick. It's a dick move. Um, it's but super this dick does, move. <laughs> but this does make it, um, this voter fraud thing is really interesting. It makes it really hard for now Republicans, like prominent Republicans on the Hill, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, uh, now have, I, I feel like this is Barr providing political cover for them to come out and say Biden won the election. Right. Uh yeah, I mean it definitely will. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, it's it's pretty bananas. You tell us really quick, Dana, what's going on with Doctor Atlas today? Oh, this moron. Uh, so he actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we know that he's mm-hmm. shitty at his job. He has no experience in anything that he's supposed to be taking care of, like infectious disease. So uh, he actually resigned from his post in the administration. Um, and you know what, who, at this point, I'm like, who cares? He's probably doing more damage than good anyway. So good riddance. Um, but a source familiar with, uh, what happened told CNN that Atlas turned in his resignation letter to, to Donald on Monday. 
as a special government employee, Atlas had a hundred. So he had a hundred and thirty day window in which he could serve, and that window was basically coming to a close this week. So either way, it looked like he was going to be going. I mean, because the president at this point isn't paying any sort of attention to the coronavirus. I'd be shocked if he knew Doctor Atlas was still in his position before he resigned. I mean, if the White House is a television show, what's the green room like? You know, you got the my pillow oh, guy God. in there. I wouldn't sit on the couches without a black light. <laughs> That's what I'm saying the green room is like. I would not be in that room without a black light because there's a lot of disgustingness happening in there. Yeah. Um, something else that went down today, Trump campaign lawyer, likely criminal Joe DeGeneva, made a stunning comment on Monday where he called for former Trump administration official Chris Krebs to be drawn and quartered and shot. And while some have attempted to frame this as troubling hyperbole, including him, he's trying to walk it back now. Legal ethics experts say this is in Geneva's best professional interest to apologize in advance of a possible disciplinary action. I think if he says sorry, he still should be disciplined. Absolutely. Um, that's just... I don't even know what to say about that. Geneva... <laughs> is a former U.S. attorney, which blows my mind. He's a Fox News guy, worked with Rudy Giuliani, and known Kremlin agents to dig up dirt uh, in Ukraine on Joe Biden, among other things. He was probably funded by Dmitry Firtosh. So this guy is under investigation, I'm pretty sure. He's a criminal. Um, so that's what's going on there. And then uh, really quickly, um, there was a story out in the New York Times, Dana, about the the grift the donald trump campaign grift how many emails he sent out before november 3rd and how many after and they kind of compared that to biden yeah no this one is actually really interesting so obviously after the election like one of the moments of relief that we get is we stop getting bombarded by these candidates emails like there's so many of them um but of course that's not the case this time because trump has continued to steal money from his base Baking, I mean, his cult basically is giving him money for weeks after the election. This is ongoing. So as you said, this is from the Times, and the quote is, uh, we can quantify that. In the three weeks before November 3rd, Trump campaign sent out 365 emails. So three weeks before the campaign, we have 365 emails, according to a database compiled by the Defending Democracy Together Institute. Now, in the three weeks following... So from November 4th to November 24th, the campaign sent out 354 emails. This is already after the election, people. He knows damn well what's happening at this point, even though it's a slow leak of like blue votes coming in. Um, amazingly, uh, he actually sent out more emails in the week after the election than the week before, which doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I would I would uh. love to know though how that compares to like the president like Joe's you know Joe's so we actually have that for you in the four weeks before the election Joe's campaign sent out 163 emails just 163 emails in the nearly four weeks since it sent out fewer than 30 boy no he I mean he knows he has it so why would you bombard your constituents at this point asking them for anything other than just to say thank you um, again that's courting that that uh, statistic is according to the archive of political emails compiled by the DDTI um, basically we know that the rationale for Trump's request isn't mysterious I mean he he has been noted the the, the focal point of these emails from the president's campaign is that readers should make a contribution to help fight his loss all this voter fraud give me your money to fight it now at the beginning uh, the money that was donated went not to legal challenges or recounts but instead to retire campaign debt until a donor hit the federal contribution limit. So they were paying off his campaign debts. And from what I understand, he still has about $850,000 out in rally debts that he hasn't even paid. Um, yeah. Then the money, then after that is done, the money would go to the Republican Party. Still not to fight voter fraud or whatever he thinks is going on out there. After this was publicly reported, the initial recipient uh, was changed to a new political action committee formed by Trump. Of course, so what did he do? <laughs> he started basically a shell company, like he does with everything mm. else, to put this money somewhere. Mm. Yeah, it seems very typical. The fraud, the, the grift continues. Um, and finally, the Department of Justice has filed its motion to dismiss the Flynn case, which is starting to get very interesting. Yes, it is. In light of this new news, based on the recent Trump pardon, Bill Barr, again, says there's no evidence of voter fraud. Uh, we talked about that a little bit at the top, but I'll be right back to go over that with Ellie Honig. And again, keep in mind that what Ellie Honig proposes, which is what just happened in real life, 
we recorded this before the news dropped an hour before so keep keep that in mind as you listen to this now old interview with Ellie Honig we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right Hey everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. I want to tell you about my favorite new life hack. It's the most useful app on my phone right now. It's called Blinkist. If you're like me, you're constantly on the go, and finding time to read or work on personal development is hard. Well, Blinkist is designed to solve this problem for you. I recommend checking it out. It's a really unique app. It works on your phone or your tablet or your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information, bottom line up front, from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses it down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. A lot of successful people are known to be voracious readers, and Blinkist makes it easy for busy people who want to get the main points of a book quickly and start using that information right away. What I use it for, oh, it's got an audio feature, by the way, Um, so you can listen to these 15-minute books while you're walking or driving or working out or whatever. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library, and it includes self-help books, business, health, politics, history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers, uh, as well as classic nonfiction titles you've always meant to read but never had time to. What I use it for is in less than 15 minutes, I get the main points of a book, and that helps me evaluate which books I want to read in full later. I recently read Accidental Presidents by Jared Cohen. I highly recommend it. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com beans to try it free for seven days, and you'll save 25% on your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N as in Nancy, K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com beans to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll get 25% off when you sign up. But only when you do it at Blinkist.com beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to discuss a couple of things going on with Bill Barr and the Department of Justice is former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig. Ellie, how are you? Uh, good. And as often happens when we're talking, Allison, it means my head is spinning and something crazy just happened. Actually, it's a pretty good barometer. If AG calls, that means it's been a crazy day. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people share that sentiment. I I, I usually pick up the yeah. phone and I'm like, all right, Frank Vaglusi, Joyce Vance, Ellie Honig, what what what's the deal? Right. And uh, exactly. so so first the first thing I want to talk about is something happened uh, Monday, which was the Department of Justice's motion to dismiss the Flynn case. And you and I have been talking about the Flynn case for a long time now. And the Justice Department here says the Justice Department emphasized to Sullivan that the language covered quote any possible future perjury or contempt charge in connection with General Flynn's sworn statements and any other possible future charge that Judge or Mr. Gleason has suggested might somehow keep this criminal case alive or the uh, over the government's objection. What the frick does that mean? I didn't think you could pardon people <laughs> for future stuff. Yeah, so... What they're trying to do, DOJ, is end or cut off any possible way for Judge Sullivan or former Judge Gleason, who he appointed, to continue to hold hearings and look into this. I think what they wanted to avoid was Judge uh, Sullivan saying something like, "Okay, Michael Flynn, you've now been pardoned for lying to the FBI and your pardon covers some of the other crimes which you were arguably had committed, like foreign agent registration violations because you were illegally lobbying for Turkey. But I don't want you to get cute here and and start saying, well, um, you know, I'm going to I, Judge Sullivan, am going to charge you with contempt because you lied to me when you pled guilty or I'm going to invest. I'm going to sort of ask that you be investigated for perjury because you pled guilty under oath and then you said you weren't. So I think what DOJ is trying to do is preemptively anticipate that from Judge Sullivan and cut that off. And really, DOJ desperately does not want this fact finding to continue. Now, could Sullivan actually do that and then challenge that? Or is, is, is Sullivan just likely to throw this out and say, you're right, case dismissed? Uh, uh, yeah, I think he's likely to just throw it out. I mean, you know, people have sort of floated a lot of theories about, well, the case could be re- revived as this or resuscitated as that, or he could still charge with contempt. I think at this point, Sullivan's going to see the writing on the wall. This is a pardon. It's a broad pardon. The pardon power is broad. And I just don't think he's going to want to try to search in the margins for some way to keep this ball in the air. I think at a certain point, you just say, look, it was a broad pardon. Let history reflect that this was a corrupt and abusive abusive of power pardon. But ultimately, it's a losing battle. And especially for a judge who, who you know wants to maintain his his 
credibility and his sort of, you know, reputation for being down the middle to, to, to strain to try to keep this thing alive. Now, could he come out and say in his, uh, like, write an opinion, like a 35-page opinion mm-hmm. or something, that, that is dismissing the case and ordering the dismissal of the case based on, the, you know, it being moot for the pardon, but could he yep. tell us a bunch of stuff that happened that we didn't know about in that finding? 100%. <laughs> he could do that. You know, it's an interesting, it would be quite unusual, but pardons themselves are quite unusual. And yeah, I mean, look, he could, Judge Sullivan could say, I I understand this case, there's been a pardon. I respect the constitutional power of the pardon. Um, I have, however, undertaken an extensive fact finding. And I think it's important that there be a record of what I've found. And I hereby find the following. And I would guess that that would come out not at all pretty for Michael Flynn or potentially for Bill Barr and the president. So, yeah, I think that's very much in play. And I think that's a much more likely scenario than Sullivan saying something like, well, I, I recommend that you be held in contempt because you lied to me when you pled guilty. Right. Ch- like challenging the pardon. Um, so so he can yeah. do any of these things. But what he probably will do sure. is just dismiss the case, might have a few furly words to say on the way out. Yeah, I think that's probably I think that's probably the most likely scenario here. I think he's going to look. Obviously, it seems fairly obvious Judge Sullivan understands the abuse of power that's happened throughout this case and is not willing to roll over for it. So I think that's actually a pretty um, fair thing for the judge to do to say, I respect the pardon, but here's my findings. Mm -hmm. Now, Weissman, Andrew Weissman, formerly Mm -hmm. of the Mueller team. Yep said uh, Trump issued the pardon only after Barr debased the Department of Justice by filing a disingenuous motion to dismiss. Sullivan will have the opportunity to weigh in on his view of all of this when he grants the motion to dismiss based on the full pardon. So it seems like Weissman concurs here, saying he's going to grant it, but he will have the opportunity to weigh in on his view. And I guess my question here is, if this pardon is corrupt or it was issued in in, uh, accordance with... being obstructive of justice, like if this is an obstruction of justice, yeah. can't you know? Provided Trump doesn't get a pardon or pardons himself, he could be in trouble for granting the pardon. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, I th- look, I think you're right. This is a little bit of a constitutional, um, you know, controversy that we've never had before. But look, the pardon power is very broad. But one of the limitations that I believe has to exist is you cannot exercise the pardon power for a criminal purpose. And the example I would give is. What if somebody walked into the Oval Office and said, Mr. President, um, uh, I've been convicted of a crime, about to serve my sentence, but here's $50,000 that I'd like a pardon, and the president agreed. I think everybody would agree that's bribery and that pardon would not be valid. Well, it's not as extreme an example, but it's the same principle. If you could prove that the purpose for issuing a pardon was as part of a scheme to obstruct justice, to silence a witness— then I think you would have the same type of potential outcome, a potential criminal charge and invalidation of the pardon. Now, Robert Mueller actually went fairly far down this road. You know, this is this is one of the areas of potentially obstructive justice that uh, that Mueller found. He, he, he laid out the facts behind this pardon and the sort of efforts to make the Michael Flynn case go away. Uh, excuse me, not behind this pardon, but behind the dangling of this pardon, mm-hmm. which ultimately came to fruition. And he did his Robert Mueller thing of saying, well, here's all the facts and here's some analysis and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but who am I to say? <laughs> which I think as more and more time goes by, I think Mueller's decision to do that is suffering more and more and rightly so. I think it was a really poor decision. But, um, you know, Mueller took us fairly far down that road. The question is, as a practical matter, is the next AG or the next DOJ going to have the appetite, desire, and interest to get back into all these battles? And Joe Biden, I think, has fairly clearly signaled um, that he's not interested in that. Now, he's also sent the right signal, which is it's up to the next AG. It's not up to me. And I think that's the exact right message to send. But I do think as a practical matter, whoever the next AG is, is going to be unlikely to want to refight these battles, the, the Flynn's and the Stones and the Manaforts. And I know there's I know there's people out there who are saying, well, you know, we, you know, maybe there's state charges or maybe there's some way to charge him with with this fringy thing that he's not necessarily covered for. I just wouldn't count on seeing any of that from a new AG. I don't think the new AG is going to be interested in fighting what are perceived as old battles. Yeah, I'm one of those people because my concern here is yeah. that if we don't hold people accountable, somebody will, it leaves it open for people to do again. Yeah, well, that's exactly the, the argument in favor of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's it's but I think ultimately a, a new AG is going to be looking at sort of principle versus practicality and you know, I don't know, practicality has a way of winning out. 
Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I've had this discussion already this week with a couple of lawyers and uh, here on the show and, and the dis- like the, the consensus is state charges um, if there are any. And then you, you go that route. But it, it, I feel like everybody who uh, was part of this and wrapped up in this is going to get a pardon. And I think Trump will probably find a way to get a pardon for himself, whether he does it himself uh, or not. And uh, again, I don't think that that should be legal. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot of yeah. different arguments there, but yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. Flynn's silence is a thing of value and that's, that's bribery, but sure. You know, uh, again, the AG is going to have to have an appetite. I do not, I, I'm having a hard time reading Joe Biden, Joe Biden on whether or not he has an appetite for it. <laughs> what I appreciate is that he's going to not pressure the DOJ either way to not do it or do it. Yeah. That, that's the most important thing. We, we have, we really have to get back to this idea where the president says, that's not for me. I don't get involved in DOJ that, that, you know, policy wise. Sure. If you want to, for example, Joe Biden has made clear he's going to sort of reinvigorate the civil rights division, which badly needs it. That's all fair game. Either way, if you're a president, and you decide I want to prioritize this type of crime or prioritize this type of investigation. God bless. But when it comes down to making the decisions, the charging decisions, the who do we investigate decisions, that should be left up to the AG. And I think it's important that we reinstitute that. I agree. Now, I have some other things I want to talk to you about, including a brand new special counsel that's been appointed. Uh, not a lot of fanfare <laughs> yeah, around that, new. but uh, I do have to take a quick break. Will you stick around with me? Yes, of course. All right, great. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This segment of The Beans is brought to you by American Giant. Did you know in 1960, 95% of the clothing that we wore is made in the United States? Today, it's only 3%. You know, if you ever stop to wonder why we make our stuff overseas, because it's cheaper. And that's probably why it doesn't last as long, and we end up throwing it away. And I think now is the perfect time to be buying clothes that are durable and made to last that are made in the United States. And that's why I want to talk about American Giant. They want to make things better by making better things. American Giant has built a 100% United States-based supply chain with a strong relationship for fashion factories, workers, and communities at every single step of the way. It's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for our people and the planet. American Giant makes clothing that's durable and not disposable. That's why it's better for the planet. They're reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last, clothes that are meant to be used more, so you need less. Um, Their clothes are made to be worn and kept longer, clothes built to last, so they don't end up in landfills. I recently got their fleece uh, trucker jacket, which I love. It's so warm and cozy and very comfortable. And best of all, it was made right here in the United States, supporting local communities. So check out American Giant and get the best, most high-quality clothes on the market and get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS. Just head to American-Giant.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. We've been talking to former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig, CNN legal analyst, amazing, amazing person, friend of mine. Hi, friend. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling we'd be hanging out a lot more if it weren't for this pandemic. But uh, anyway. Totally. Um, well, one, one of these days, by the way, AG, when, when this thing clears up, you need to throw you know, a, a podcast party where you invite in person all the frequent guests. How fun would that be? Yeah, we were going to have like a like a Mueller con. Uh, at yeah. some point we were going to do it in like DC cause it, that's pretty much where everybody lives anyway. And yeah, I'm thinking about of course. it. I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Now the second, second half of this interview is, is Bill Barr today. Cause you and I were both, we were talking before we, before we, uh, came online here and, uh, you and I, you were doing, you were busy, you were doing CNN. I was busy. I was in a, a, a legal conference. And we come back, and all of a sudden, we've we've learned from the Associated Press that Bill Barr has announced that he has found no evidence of fraud, at least not enough to overturn the election results. Um, now, if Bill Barr needed a pardon, I don't know that he's going <laughs> to get it now. Um, first of all, what are your top-line thoughts about this? his announcement of no evidence of voter fraud? And then I want to talk about what kind of crimes Bill Barr has committed that he could still be on the hook for. So on, on Bill Barr's statement today that he's found no evidence of widespread voter fraud. I mean, look, when Bill Barr tells you it's over, it is over, right? I mean, of all people, and and this should really be the end of all the conspiracy theories that the president has been trying to spin. I mean, let's not, let's not forget, Bill Barr has a almost two-year-long record of just twisting and distorting the law and the facts at every turn to support and protect Donald Trump. And to have that person come out and say, it just ain't there, that's devastating to the president. Um, and by the way, you know, he's far from alone. I mean, in various different manners, Chris Ray has said that as the head of the FBI before the election. Chris Krebs, the head of cybersecurity, said that before and after and then got fired for it. Um, so 
boy. I, and you know, I, 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 I don't know whether to bang my head or laugh when I see Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis's statement immediately after Barr's statement saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. They haven't investigated. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> Who are you going to who are you going to bank on here? Who's going to find the evidence? Rudy and Jenna Ellis, who, by the way, keep getting kicked out of court in more and more dramatic fashion or the entire United States DOJ. I mean, if the entire U.S. DOJ, I know it's I know Rudy's got an elite strike force, but I'm going to bank on on DOJ. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting is that his announcement, Bill Barr's announcement of no voter fraud really puts prominent Republicans now between uh, between a dildo shop and a crematorium, if you will. Uh, like <laughs> that's a, that's a new, right. Forget about rock in a hard place. That's a brand new uh, saying. Yeah. <laughs> because now, you know, Graham's come out and said, well, I, I trust Bill Barr. We'll see. And Mitch McConnell yeah. totally dodged the question when Manu Raju asked him Ron Johnson. Right. Now Russia, Ron Johnson was like, no, we need to keep investigating. Yeah. He needs his fucking pardon. That's what's going on with Ron Johnson. Uh, for working with, you know, uh, getting Russian intel intelligence, debunked Russian intelligence and introducing it into the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. But whatever, neither here nor there, yeah. Ron Johnson. Yeah. But yeah, so now that these, these Republicans kind of have to be like, okay, well, if Bill Barr says so. Oh, totally. Look, it, it's a, it's a, first of all, it's a Manu Raju special. Manu will now be able to run around Capitol Hill for the next several days, ask, as he absolutely should, asking every member of the Senate, especially Republicans, well, Bill Barr said it, what do you think? And, you know, usually Republicans either run away from Manu or say, I haven't seen that. I'm not aware of that. But they're not going to be able to say I haven't seen or I'm not aware of this. Mm. So, you know, I think it just ever so slightly or, or more than ever so slightly, but I think it incrementally moves moves the needle even more in the direction of only increasingly desperate sort of lackeys and sycophants can continue to cling to the president's wild narrative. And, you know, every time a person jumps ship, we get closer to putting an end to this madness. So this should help. It's one big rat. I'll tell you that. Um, now here's something else Bill Barr did while you and I were legalizing elsewhere. Uh, (laughs) he has, announced that back in October, before the election, he actually appointed Durham as a special counsel. And I thought, my first thought, knowing what I know about (laughs) special counsel investigations, which is a little, um, hey, weird, why would you elevate him to special counsel? Because special counsel just gives you the power of U.S. attorney, and John Durham is a U.S. attorney, oh, for 49 more days. Right, right. So what do you think's going on here? He's trying to make it harder for the next AG to fire or handle Durham. He's, he's creating a dilemma for the next AG, right? Because if this hadn't happened, the next AG could just sort of deal with John Durham in the normal way that any attorney general would deal with any U.S. attorney and say, look, where are you? Let me know what's going on. What do we want to do here? Do we want to issue a report? Do we not? Do you have charges or not? You know, you could just handle it sort of behind closed doors. What the AG appoint or excuse me, the special counsel appointment does is now it puts this in the ballpark of the special counsel regulations, which put all sorts of formality on the process. And it basically means that it's going to be harder now for the next AG to fire or end Durham's investigation. Um, I look, you know, it's funny, you could think of it. I heard someone refer to it as like passing the hot potato. It's not so much passing a hot potato as passing just like a a rotten dud of a tomato mm-hmm. or potato, mm-hmm. excuse me, right? Like there's obviously nothing there. They're obviously not going to be able to recognize the fever dreams of indicting, you know, all the people who the president is always tweeting about, all the big names that we read about. They may pick off people here or there, or make some bad findings about people. Um, but ultimately, this Durham investigation is going to be a dud from the point of view of Trump and Barr. Already has been because it didn't really deliver anything of impact before the election, which I think is the main thing they they cared about. But it's going to make it now harder for, for the next AG. And if, if I'm the next AG, I just say, play it out. Go ahead, John Durham. Finish what you got to do. Issue a report. I'll put it out there. I mean, who cares, yeah. right? Like, you know, all you should care about is the truth. And if and if, if John Durham comes up with findings that are good or bad for A or B or C or good or bad for Trump or good or bad for James Comey or anyone else, God bless. Like, if it's factual and it's correct, put it out. You know, I'm not – I wouldn't – I wouldn't bless or or – support a bogus charge if you wanted to bring that. But if it was a well-supported charge, go for it. Uh, he'd have brought it by now. You're right. He'd have brought exactly. it by now. He's not, he's not got anything. He, uh, I feel like this is just driving a stake in to, to yep. leave beyond inauguration day. 
to just keep it just right. to keep a narrative alive. Unfortunately, it's at the expense of the of the taxpayer, and we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. People are in food lines for God's sakes, but uh, it's 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 annoying. He's passing a, what we used to call it the, at the SDNY. He's getting rid of a dog, right? Like people, people at the SDNY and prosecutors every, everywhere are pretty good at passing off cases that they realize are are junk. Um, you know, the excuses people come up with. I, I've had cases when I was a newbie at the SDNY. People go, "Oh yeah, um, I think my wife may know the third cousin of one of these defendants. So, oh, I'm going to have to get off of this case and hand it to somebody else." You know, you, you learn to identify those th- those dumps of those dog cases. I, it sounds like that's kind of what's happening now. It's like, oh, this Durham thing is a mess. Okay, next AG, you can have it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I or it's just a, a keeping a narrative alive. You know, like yeah. Benghazi for yeah. nine years or whatever. Uh, right, they're never going to let 2016 go ever. They aren't. They are not going to let yep. it go. Uh, yep. They're just going to keep harping on it. And I, I feel like it's kind of like you know how Trump has been turning uh, appointee positions into permanent uh, federal career exempt positions, so that it's called burrowing, so that they're harder to get rid of because they're not political oh, okay. appointees. This is a this is the burrowing of a U.S. attorney, of a Trump U.S. attorney. And Durham wasn't doing him any favors, honestly. I mean, Durham's kind of a mob investigator guy. Wouldn't it be funny if it came back to bite him in the ass? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Durham has shown that he's, I I believe, I mean, I have some problems with with Durham. I think he, uh, you know, I think he has really twisted, um, he went out of his way to make a, a public statement about the origins of the Russia investigation that I thought was inappropriate. And and I fault him for that. But I also think he's not willing to go crazy and make things up. No. And you would need a you would need a grand jury, a federal grand jury to, to issue indictments anyway. You could, like remember what happened to Andy McCabe. They really wanted to indict him. But the front the federal grand jury is like, like, if you don't have you can't just decide as a U.S. attorney right. to indict someone. You have to have a federal grand jury hand the indictment. If they don't see anything, they're not going to do it. Yep. Yep. No, I think I think that's exactly right. Look, again, you can twist, you can, you can, you know, um, distort, I don't endorse it, but people can twist and distort and they do all the time or not all the time, but Bill Barr did all the time, but you can't make stuff up and you can't bring a charge if you just don't have anything. Yeah. And he doesn't. All right. Well, this has been fun. Um, Next time my hair is on fire, I'll call you and uh, <laughs> and we'll talk some more. As always. <laughs> uh, everybody, Ellie Honig, former federal state prosecutor, CNN legal analyst. I appreciate your time. Thanks, AJ. You too. Have a good one. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, everyone. It's AG for the Daily Beans. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon, providing the best in connected fitness at an affordable price. And that's the big important part, the affordable price part. If you're like me, the gyms are closed down. You're starting to feel a little sedentary. You want to get back into action. And it's just, it's been really tough. But that's why you should check out Echelon. Personally, when I'm not being active enough, I get restless and irritated. I anger. I'm quick to anger. It's just so, I, workouts are so important for my mental health. And that remedy is the rush of endorphins from exercise, the feeling of accomplishing a great workout. And Echelon prides itself on being able to help you achieve your fitness goals too. Their service is amazing. First of all, one Echelon membership lets up to five household members enjoy all the benefits. I love the massive variety of equipment and programs they offer. Echelon has connected bikes, that like spin studio bikes. It gives you an immersive studio experience. They have smart rowers where you actually like get to row down waterways and, you know, around the world. And they have the Reflect Smart Mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button and there's just one app to connect them all it's very lord of the rings echelon united provides access to all content throughout echelon's products they have thousands of on-demand classes available with over 30 accredited world-class trainers and they have guests and celebrity pop-ins all the time you can work out with the echelon community and compete against them so there's a little healthy competition and echelon has been featured everywhere in women's health cosmo time people um, wall street journal says echelon has cracked the code yahoo finance says echelon is where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford again there's that thing the price you can afford very important so if you want to turn things around and get in the best shape of your life check them out at echelonfit.com today all right everybody welcome back time for the good news All right, it's uh, it's that time of day again, Dana. I mean, we've already had some. Let's be honest, we've already had some good news this <laughs> I'm still just so blown away. I cannot I can't relay the magnitude of this bribery scheme for pardons. Um it's <laughs> 
you could start a whole new podcast on it. And you know what? Hell, you, I just might. You know what? You might as well. It's amazing, though, that they think, obviously, they've seen up until this point, they're like, oh, they got away with that. No consequences. They got away with that. No consequences. So you know what? I'm going to do it. Because mm. apparently, there's no consequences. And well, someone's about to go down for this. Yeah. Yeah. And if... Oh, my God. Oh, and I just saw an interview with Adam Schiff, by the way, on Ari Melber, which might make you feel pretty good. You know, Trump pardons himself and he pardons Flynn, he pardons all these convicts. Um, bribery is a state crime. Nice. And state and local courts, District of Columbia, for example. Oh, that's beautiful. Could bring local charges. So that's fascinating. Um, I believe the... I believe the district attorney of the District of Columbia is Racine. Um, so this this could very easily be handed over by the Biden Justice Department to a state for bribery charges. Oh, oh my goodness! Whew. Don't don't flirt with me on I, air, AG. Stop flirting with me. Sorry, sorry. I know. All okay. right. Good news. Now on to the good news. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll kick us off. This is from Natalie Pronouns. She and her, Natalie says, inspired by the boiling frog in the bra from today's episode. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if somebody's like a brand new listener and we've got all these inside jokes. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, the boiling frog in the bra and big dick toilet wine were hanging out the other day. And, you know, everyone's like, I'm lost. <laughs> I wonder how many listeners we lose just based on that alone. <laughs> Anyway, inspired by the boiling frog in the bra from today's episode, I also suddenly discovered that none of my bras fit anymore after spending months not wearing a bra at all. I wonder how many people like jumped up and tried their bras on. Um, I've not been wearing a bra at all or only a loose bralette if I really had to leave the house. Since it had been so long since I wore a bra, the first time I put one on and my boobs spilled over the top, I assumed the old saying that not wearing a bra actually helps your boobs gain more natural lift was true. I walked around for maybe a week assuming my boobs were just magically more lifted, and that's why my bras seemed like they were too small. It was an optical illusion because of my new boob lift. <laughs> then I tried to put on jeans. Finally, I had to admit I've gained some more quarantine weight than I thought. I guess I need to go bra shopping. I like the positivity, Natalie. You're like, no, no, no. It's spilling over the top of the cup because I haven't been wearing a bra, so I have a natural, youthful lift to my breasts now. I, I'm going to go with that. Wouldn't that be lovely if that's the way that worked? My goodness. Yeah, I'm going with it. I like it. Yes. I like it. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Our next one comes from Lizzie, pronoun she and her. Hey there, just listened to today's episode, and I have a little bit of an answer to a question you had after some good news. You see, I'm also hella pregnant, 35 weeks, and I have a few friends who are also pregnant all over the U.S. Oh, good. I want to hear this. Doctors' private offices will have a lot of different rules. One of mine allows partners, but not children, and another doesn't allow anyone extra unless they're there to aid a person with a disability or to translate. This means my husband can't come because he stays home with our 14-month-old, but he went to every appointment for th every appointment for that one, so he doesn't feel like ah, so he doesn't feel like he's missing out much. Very sweet. For the actual delivery, most hospitals at this point will allow the partner or one extra person. I have one friend who's bringing her mother because there's no partner, and many hospitals here seem to be allowing a doula or midwife as well. I don't know anyone using a birthing center, so if they're using one of those, I don't know how they're handling the pandemic. I truly wish all pandemic parents well. I feel like there are a lot of us, and we'll all get through it. Um, I've attached a picture of my little dude rubbing pumpkin pie in his hair, and my cat's Schmoosher, Smoosher's the black and white, and Zoe, uh, the split face. Oh my goodness. Look at this got pumpkin pie in his hair, and his face, he's like, what? You don't put pumpkin pie in your hair? That's <laughs> I know. What would you don't do this? Yeah. It, what? Oh, look at that. Look at that chimera baby split face Zoe. So Hi. sweet. You know, it's funny because when something like this happens, uh, funny, strange, I shouldn't say funny, haha. I think there's sometimes a baby boom, but I wonder with COVID if everyone was just scared to touch each other. So there's not going to be a baby boom. You know, because everyone was in their their houses. If you're just with your person, you don't have a whole lot else to do other than have sex and Netflix and chill. <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be a baby boom. Yeah. And they're all going to be named. What's Baby Yoda's name? Oh, God. The, I don't know. That Mandalorian yeah. thing? What is that? Yeah. I, sh I don't want to give it as a spoiler. It's a spoiler. But... Okay. Don't do that. 
ne- next up. Yeah, they're all going to be named the same as Baby Yoda. Anyway, next up from Melissa, pronouns she and her. About four or five years ago, I was diagnosed as being a pre-diabetic. And when the vaccines for COVID were announced, I'd been wondering if I would be with those that have a chronic disease or if I'd be lumped in with the general public when a vaccine becomes available. I had a phone appointment with my family doctor about getting a new prescription for medication I take. And after getting my prescriptions, I take four different medications, one of which is to control my sugar levels. After getting them renewed, I asked my doctor if I would be in that third group of who of those who would get the COVID vaccine. She told me I would very likely qualify to get in that third group as I am being treated for a chronic disease. And she would say um, and she would stay on top of it and let me know when I would get it. So. Very interesting. Um, we just learned today that the FDA has voted to recommend that healthcare workers, frontline healthcare workers, and um, people in nursing homes uh, be the first to get the vaccine. So that third group would be people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, I'm assuming. Um, so there you go. All right. You know, what? I'm going to take this next one just because I want. I have something to say. I have something to say about it. So we're not sure if this is sincere. We're not sure um, where it comes from. There's, we have no idea uh, who the submission was. It is a, a, um, um, a, a non-identified submission. And all it says is, I confess I don't understand the pronouns. Now, you can explain why you have them for your show, but I would love to have just a little talk about pronouns with the listeners since someone I absolutely love just came out as trans, and that's Elliot Page. Yes. Um, yes. So um, you can say why, you, why the pronouns are important to your show, and then I'll, I'll add an addition. Yes, I will. I, I was uh, counseled by several um, trans folks that I know that I'm very close to in personal life. And a lot of people had had the same question, you know, why would somebody who's cis or straight or not ever having a, had a, an issue with pronouns or wanting to change their pronouns, put their pronouns in their profile or say what their pronouns are? And I was counseled that it is a sign to everyone that you are accepting of everyone's pronouns and these are yours. And um, I mean, briefly, uh, you can if you if this is a serious inquiry and and it because we you know we do have listeners from all kinds of backgrounds who might not know why people give their pronouns or what it's even about. Uh, but Dana, if you want, it, that's why we do it on the show. But if you yeah. want to explain, if you want to explain what it's about, please. Well, I think that there's where I'm coming from is this is that I think you know no one has a problem with the she and the him. That, that doesn't seem to have a problem with anyone. You know, you're, those are the pronouns we're used to, she, her, he, him. And it's the they and them that I think people get caught up on. And I think there's some listeners, if they're honest with themselves, that even if they're very open, they're not bigoted, and they want people to be identified as they'd like, they get caught up on it because of the way we were taught grammar in our entire yeah. lives. And so we've always been taught that they, them is a plural pronoun. Now, this is what I would say. When you were young and there was a ring at the door, Someone knocked on the door and you'd go to the door and your mom would go, go get the door. And you would go, mom, someone selling, or, you know, mom, someone at the door. And your mom would respond, what do they want? She wouldn't know the pronoun. She wouldn't know the gender. She would say, what do they want? Even though you said someone, someone is at the door. We've always used they and them. I think Mm -hmm. the people that have a hard time with it um, understandably have a hard, some, some people have a hard time with it be just, just cause they want to be assholes. But I think it's the way our grammar was input. And so as someone that is part of the LGBTQ community, and the, even though I'm not trans, I, I, I very much fight for my trans community and my non-binary and gender non-conforming. Um, I think that it's important as people try, we have to remember the intent behind it. And for those people that are genuinely trying to, uh, we correct them softly. And I think that is really important. I saw a really um, great video. Uh, it was like a TikTok or, or just a quick short video of a guy walking down a street. And it was like satirical. Like, I don't understand these pronouns things. Why someone would want to be they and them. They and them is plural. He and him and her. And, and that's singular. You know, it's just, you know, I don't understand why. You, I mean, just grammatically, it doesn't make any sense. And then he walks up and there's a, a wallet sitting on a railing. And he goes, oh, whoa, somebody left their wallet here. Huh. I wonder... Uh, I wonder who left this. Uh, well, I hope they find it. And he sets it back down and then just keeps yeah. on walking like, I just don't understand. Right. It's <laughs> such a brilliant way. I hope they find it. Don't know the gender. Yeah. So I'm just going to say it that way. And I mean, the way we were taught and raised grammatically would be to pick up the wallet and say, oh, someone left his or her wallet here. But who the fuck really talks yeah, who like Who talks that? like <laughs> 
<laughs> That's exactly it. God, I would be way more irritated with people that walked around doing that than just try and learn how to say they and them. Um, but if, for those of you that didn't hear, uh, formerly, and I say formally because I, I don't want this to be a dead name, uh, because you should never dead name a trans person. And what that means is using their birth name without their permission. Um, but Ellen Page formerly Ellen Page has come out as trans and we got introduced to Elliot Page the last couple of days and I just could not be more proud of him. Um, he's very comfortable with pronouns he and they and them. So as we move forward, I'm looking forward to seeing their career and, and how it changes or how it doesn't change and just such pride for someone stepping into their truth. So please, if you're listening and just be kind to people, we never know what they're going through. We never know the battles they are fighting. And so just try and be kind to people. And when they come out and tell you, tell you who they are, just try and respect it and celebrate it. That's, that's all I can say. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, correct yourself and move on. That's right. Next up from Jordan pronouns, she and her some pod pet good news. Our cat Tinsley has had a rough year health wise. She was diagnosed with pancreatitis and IBD had to have several teeth removed. Oh, poor pumpkin. And a few weeks ago, I found a mass on her little stomach. The good news is, is today she had her surgery to remove the mammary mass, what I like to call the itty-bitty kitty titiectomy. <laughs> and she's been doing great and living her best life and eating wet food since she's now on, she's now Princess Toothless. Oh, I'd like to think she enjoys listening to the beans with me every morning. Hi, kitty, kitty, Tinsley. That was a good girl. Um, she leaves a nice pile of what looks like Rudy Giuliani's hair dye in the litter box shortly oh, afterwards. <laughs> Pod pet photo tax attached, the tiniest bear trap, daring you to rub the belly. <laughs> Look at so her. So sweet. Oh, what a honey. Oh my God. AG, we have more. We have more frog in the boiling water sports bra stories. This one is from Kelly. This is Kelly, pronouns she and her. Since AG asked for frog in the boiling water bra stories, sports bra stories, which is my new favorite way to refer to this phenomenon, I just wanted to share that the unnoticed weight change hidden by attire is hella ubiquitous, ubiquitous in the healthcare profession. So, mm -hmm. so yep, yes, yep. Mm -hmm. scrubs are nothing more than workplace pajamas which is why I love them. So last year I decided to love myself and I switched from wearing business casual to scrubs at work. Therapists can choose. Um, unexpectedly, my yoga band and drawstring scrub pants prevented me from even noticing that I had lost, lost over 20 pounds and dropped three sizes. I didn't notice until I tried on my job interview clothes in May. In good news department, after an assortment of tests, I've just learned I'm not dying. Good. Yay. I'm actually happy to hear that too, Kelly. <laughs> I know. I was like, holy shit. Um, my chronic condition just decided it would be fun to shake things up. While I try my best not to worry myself about weight loss anymore, this was definitely good news to learn I wasn't super sick in some way. I will mm -hmm. definitely be referring to the roller coaster of weight change as being a frog in boiling scrub pants with all my colleagues now. So thank you so much for all of that. For the pet tax, I've included a photo of a pupper. I've been dog-sitting for a neighbor lately while she and her husband work to protect us all from COVID. Their pup Aww. is the most selfie-friendly dog I've ever met, and I love him. And oh my goodness, both of you are adorable. Aww. Nice space buns, too. Good job. Love the space buns. I should mm. I should text you the picture. I should have my pet tax. I should text, text you the picture of me and uh, my, my sister's family's new Rottweiler. Yes. Oh, you, I you did. Wait, no, I saw it. I, I saw it on Facebook, I think. Or you posted a, a puppy kisses. Yeah, I'll send. I'll send it to you. I'll send in a pet tax this week. In like a field of flowers, like a meadow. <laughs> we were in a park. We were in a park. You were like lay down in a meadow of dandelions, <laughs> and a puppy was kissing your oh, face. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and puppy breath is the cutest. It's it's very important. Puppy breath is important. So thank you for the frog in the in the boiling sports bra stories. Keep sending them. I love them. I'm so glad you're not dying, Kelly. Um, it's weird to just get these weight fluctuations. And like, you know, like I said, I've been just wearing yoga pants and stuff and soft bralettes for so long. I don't know what's going on. I don't measure myself. Fuck that. So who knows? Um, as long as I'm comfortable and as long as you're comfortable, exactly. we're all comfortable and happy. That's what's important to yes. me. And you know what? AG and I had a very special moment uh, two nights ago. I just want everyone to know we had a, a long distance date. Not really, because AG's straight. But at least that's as far as I know. Um, <laughs> and I text her and I was like, you've got to go outside. The moon's about to come up. 
And so I made AG go out and look at the moon. It was right after the eclipse. So the night after it was still like 99.6% full. And so AG and I are texting each other. And she's like, I don't see it yet. And I'm like, hold on. She's like, there's nothing there. And I'm like, just be patient. (laughs) And then wouldn't you know, the moon just had to clear a mountain. And then when it came over, she was like, big text letters, all capitals. I see it. <laughs> Underneath the same big sky. Yeah, we were we were five all and at that that moment. We were. It was, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. I felt so close to you. I know. Funny love stories. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh all right. Well, this is a hell of a news day. I'm gonna have a lot more detail and be a lot more sorted about this bribery scheme thing tomorrow. And as it goes on, um, I might have some more inside information from some sources. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, I don't know yet, but uh, it'll be good. It'll be more together. Today was cold. There was no script today. So I hope everyone is okay with that. Um, I think, you know, Dana, we're professionals. We can go in cold sometimes. You know what? Sometimes my best shows are when I don't have a set written and I just see what the audience needs. Yep. You just listen and then you go up and you just tell them what they want to hear. That's right. And I know you guys were dying for a crime fraud exception bribery (laughs) scheme for pardon. I know you guys were dying for it. So, All right. So we'll, we'll be around tomorrow. Everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I can't wait to see Maddo tonight and see how much it mimics the show. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Uh, I've been AG. And I have been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>